Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. The world. Is the world still here, Rita? Uh, I'm not sure after Anthony Blinken, but we'll get to that in a moment. There's so many things happening in the studio with us. Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, and uh, Governor uh, Patterson. uh, And uh, Ed Cox is the GOP chairman of New York and a quasi-relative of Henry Kissinger. Not really a relative, (laughs) but you worked together for many, many years. son-in-law of Nixon. And Ed Cox, uh, you were... uh, uh, President Nixon's uh, son-in-law, married to Tricia, and you worked very closely with Henry Kissinger. I saw the relationship between President Nixon and Henry Kissinger. Well, we'd and, love to hear more about it. Well, uh, Henry Kissinger was very fortunate to work with a president of a great intellect, who respected great intellect, which Henry Kissinger had, and also uh, had the ability to execute on things. And uh, he, President Nixon, was determined that he would help solve the Vietnam War, which is a big issue of the time, by going to China and then going to to Moscow. He told me that in February 68. That's what he was going to do. And he chose Henry Kissinger to be the person who was going to do it with him. And uh, and uh, for that, Henry Kissinger got the Nobel Prize for negotiating. But if there had not been for the December bombing, there would not have been the peace. And well, was, very relevant to today, and, Ed. And that's relevant to today because you, you go back to the, the second thing was the Yom Kippur War. Very heroic. Send anything that flies, said President Nixon. Let's get the assistance that Golden Meyer wanted. What she wants, double it and send it to her. And again, it was Kissinger who then got it executed and afterwards followed up with the negotiations uh, that resulted in, in the end, laid the basis for Sadat traveling to Israel and recognizing Israel. And uh, Governor now, Patterson. What I, what I never understood, what I never understood, why did Kissinger, the, the Cypriot Greeks and the Greeks were all upset about Cyprus. I never understood how Kissinger allowed that to happen uh, because it was a NATO country, a NATO country using NATO weapons attacking another NATO country. And, and and Kissinger blessed it. That, I don't know the details of that, John, but uh, Turk, <laughs> Turkey continues that issue with respect to Ukraine and other things where they play both sides of the table, even though they are have the largest army as part of NATO. Well, if you remember, check into that because... Yeah. I'd like to check that out. Yeah. You know what we need? We what need else, a Kissinger uh, now. I, 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 we I, need something right now. I'm telling you, when I just heard Blinken, I'm about to steam you guys. Tell me. Say, it, say it slowly and tell our – because we know what you're talking about, but the rest of the world doesn't know what you're talking this about. This is shocking. This is Antony Blinken, who is our new Secretary of State. Uh, what a contrast <clears> to Kissinger <throat> as you're talking about it, Ed. He just came out and did a press conference. He's over in Israel. 
And he said that Israel must abide by the rules of war, even against Hamas. He was condemning what he said were extremists. And I thought, okay, the did next Hamas, line. Did Hamas uh, uh, use the rules of law when they killed babies? Exactly. Here, that, that's exactly here, here, the here's point. The difference. That's here's exactly, the difference. But, but also what he said. He also said, we have to go after extremists. So I thought, John, is he talking about Hamas? And he said, no, I'm talking about the Israeli settlers that are extreme. And then, by the way, let's go after Hamas. It was shameful. Here's here's the difference. Anthony Blinken is traveling all around the Mideast, right, doing shuttle diplomacy back and forth, right, Israel to Jordan to Egypt, all over the place, right? Yes. That's what Kissinger did. What's the difference? Because he's got a president who's waffling. When the Yom Kippur War, President Nixon did not waffle. Uh, when Moscow said we're going to be going in sending, quote, unquote, peacekeepers, he said, we go to DEFCON 3, you send in uh, Russian troops, we will send in American troops. Russia's back down. He stood behind Israel from start to finish, and that gave him the political capital and Henry the political capital to bring about getting Russia out, the Soviet Union out then, and the United States in on both sides, indebted to both Israel uh, or Israel indebted to to the United States and also Egypt indebted to United yeah, States. Yeah, that was a very famous moment. But, but Cox, to do that, you had Ed that Cox, a president who stood firm and supported an ally. And we don't have that in a president and we don't have that in a secretary of state. It was one of the weakest speeches at a moment, to John's point, they were just slaughtered. And if I'm in Israel, right afterwards was Mark Regev, who is a former ambassador, very famous spokesperson for Netanyahu. He was one on one of the TV stations. They go to him. He was like, uh, 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 uh. It was, it was pathetic. If I'm Israel, I am panicking now with this, let's, with our let's leader. Let's be clear what this means. If they force this down Israel's throat, it's a win for Hamas. You have vindicated terrorism and everything's gone ravel. Because this is going to be the beginning of the end. Because this is the first step in the Iranian attempt for hegemony over the Middle East. And guess what? He did not even mention Iran either, Judge. And that was the other thing. No mention of Iran, scolding Israel, and very weak Rita, on going after Hamas. driven by domestic politics. That's what. That's the only thing that Biden has known ever since he elected a senator in 72. Because he's, thinking he's what? Politics, seeing the streets? Not thinking he's what seeing he has the protests in the streets? Israel. That's shameful, Ed. That's not leadership, and you, you know bet. that. Uh, Governor Patterson. Uh, so, Mr. Chairman, I seem to feel, based on what you said, that Kissinger and President Nixon, they basically had their plan together before there was even a problem. In other words, they were like minds on what they would do if something like this came up. If it worked for them, forget about party affiliation. Why aren't we doing that now? Because you don't have a president standing firm and backing an ally completely. And, and by that's the way, where you get the political capital. Breaking the news. Yeah, and here also, by the way, here in this too, this is exactly what you were just talking about, Ed. Here's a, this is just coming out. Um, this is all over in Fox News and elsewhere. It says, top Obama aide hits Biden administration's support of Israel's war in Gaza as a violation of international laws. I just told you how soft Blinken was. And he's getting hammered for being too supportive because, Judge, there are people that are in this administration and prior that still are very complicit, people, I think, with Iran. You have people who are Iranian stooges in the State Department, the Department of Defense, and the CIA. They're populated with Obama holdovers and sympathizers with Iran. Well, this just proves what Obama said about his vice president, Biden. He said, give something to Joe Biden. He's sure to F it up. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he has. He said it many times. <clears throat> yeah. By and the Gates and Gates. Secretary Gates said consistently he got everything wrong in terms of foreign policy throughout his entire career. And that's the president of the United States. And and weakness begets danger. Exactly. And that's where we are right now. By the way, um, we have uh, Nicole Maliotakis, the congresswoman who's joining us, but she's got some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, thanks for joining Cats and Cosby. I understand you've got uh, some big news that just happened there on Capitol Hill. Yeah, so um, right now um, the House is passing my legislation that would cancel the lease at Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn that houses uh, migrants. As you know, there's been a lot of community opposition to this, local bipartisan opposition to this, and yet the governor and the mayor and the president entered into this deal without actually doing any environmental review, without uh, following the uh, national required laws as you would have to uh, to have this type of agreement. And so I have put forth legislation. I'm just happy to say not only did it pass, it passed with bipartisan support. And so there's no reason for Chuck Schumer to not take up this bill. He can help his borough of Brooklyn and his city that is facing this migrant crisis uh, and we can end this today. And we can also, uh, by the way, the bill also goes as so far as to prohibit uh, any federal parks, any federal lands under the Department of Interior to be used as migrant encampments. Uh, Nicole, you were a brilliant legislator in the assembly. You got so many things done, caused so many problems that were in the, in the, in the legislation, which you were, and you're once again in Congress. Same thing. Beautifully done. Well said, Ed Cox. <laughs> Well, look, it is, it is important. Uh, as you know, uh, we have a lawsuit to stop what is happening. Um, and it, look, it's important. Why? Because it's absolutely unsustainable. The mayor is now saying he's going to do a 15% across the board cut of city services. He is not going to hire police officers or school safety officers. We are already down 6,000 fewer cops today than we had on September 11th, 2001. Uh, so this migrant crisis that was self-inflicted by the Biden administration nationally and Mayor Adams locally, because as I said, he continues to misinterpret the right to shelter law uh, and offering free housing and services to these citizens of other countries. It adds insult to injury that he's cutting those same services for New Yorkers. It makes absolutely no sense. We've got to put an end to it, and this is the way we can send a strong message to the mayor to stop misinterpreting the law, and also to the president and to Schumer to pass our Border Security Act. We, we are a nation of immigrants. We are a welcoming city, but people have to follow the proper process. And when you have 120 different countries represented at the southern border uh, and the asylum law says you have to go to the next safe country, does it, does it make any sense if we are only bordered by two countries? So we, we, we want to increase visas for people to come legally and work and have opportunity. But what is happening at the border is a disgrace and it's unsafe. And we're, we have people that are entering the border, um, gotaways that we know, 1.7 million of them, that we don't know who they are, where they are, what their intentions are. The drug cartels are smuggling each and every one of these individuals, by the way, into the country. They're being paid um, by these individuals to get smuggled here. And it's a major problem. And it's the fentanyl that's killing our young people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Congresswoman Melia Talk is, in fact, one of the lead stories in the Post today was talking about this 94-year-old U.S. Army veteran uh, who's furious at this assisted living facility in Staten Island 
it's the Island Shores residences because he said he was given like a very short notice. He and all these other veterans that were staying there, the you know, seniors, uh, some of, I think, America's treasures said, get out. And then the next thing they know, it's filled with migrants. I, I mean, where are our priorities? That's absolutely right. And I actually broke that story a, a couple of months ago. I'm actually working on trying to get the Veterans Affairs Committee here in uh, Washington to do an investigation on how these veterans were being treated. Um, but the reality is, is they were kicked out from that facility along with other senior citizens. And then, then Homes for the Homeless, who's the operator of that assisted living, turned around a month later and entered this sweetheart deal with the city um, to house these citizens of other countries. And they're making about $20 million to do it. So the city incentivized these individuals, um, uh, this organization, to kick these seniors out. It is so wrong. It is so disgraceful and so backwards that we have to continue to put the pressure on the city and highlight these examples. So we're abusing the poor. We're abusing the veterans in favor of um, migrants from Central America, South America. I mean, shouldn't the American people come first? Yeah, John, look, obviously not only should the American people come first, but you're an immigrant. My parents were immigrant. Immigrants have been coming to this country for a very long time. And guess what? No one ever paid for their housing. Nobody paid for their college tuition. Nobody paid for their legal services. They did it themselves by sacrificing and working hard. And that, and they waited in line and they did things right. I have... I have people who I'm helping right now, and I'm proud my office has helped 100 people, roughly, become United States citizens from many different countries. Um, and we do that as a service because these individuals are here legally. They've waited in line. They've done everything right, and they've got caught up in red tape and bureaucracy. Um, what I'll tell you is that now these applicants are being shoved even further down the line because the president is prioritizing people who are coming over the border, and those asylum cases are being heard First, that is wrong when you have somebody who followed the rules and did everything right now. It's been waiting for five years and you're going to tell them they got to wait longer because you're prioritizing these people who paid the drug cartels to come over the southern border. Yeah. By the way, uh, did you see this, uh, Congresswoman, too, that now they've only had about 3000 migrants essentially apply for work. Remember, they all kept saying, oh, the reason we got to get there's been a hundred. I'm talking about in New York. There was one hundred and thirty three thousand that have come through Manhattan at least. And only 3,000? I, I mean, this is crazy. And by, by the way, the city council wants them to be able to vote in municipal elections. Right, Nicole? Uh, that is right, and I should have more on that, actually, in the next couple of days. Uh, so stay tuned on that one. But the reality is you're right. Uh, Bill de Blasio did pass a law, and uh, we sued in court. We won, and then there was an appeal. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we uh, are digging into this even further and finding out what the city's trying to accomplish here. So um, I, I, I just think it's just outrageous. And what we really need right now is for all your listeners to call Chuck Schumer's office. We need to really, really light up those phone lines. And he needs to hear from the people of Brooklyn. He needs to hear from the people of New York City that he, they have to pass this bill. It was passed again with bipartisan support in the House. There's no reason why Senator Schumer should not do what's right for Brooklyn and for his city. If you have if you have Democrats in the House voting for it, he should bring it up to the floor for a vote, too. And the only reason he wouldn't bring it up to the floor is because he wants to continue this crisis. And he knows that these bills would pass. The Border Security Act that we passed in May that would revert back to the Trump administration's policies would pass if it went to the Senate. 
So, so these are the reasons, real reasons why Schumer won't allow him to come to the vote, vote, but to the floor for a vote. He's afraid of the outcome. So for a senator who's always talking about democracy, let it take place. Allow a vote in the Senate. Nicole, one last question before we have to take a hard break. Congestion pricing. They're moving at 100 miles an hour to, to stick, a, stick a, another uh, knife in, in Manhattan. What do you what say you? Well, look, we're continuing to fight this as well. Uh, we're using uh, legal and legislative tools to do so. But this is the bottom line. That report that came out yesterday and said that our governor and our mayor and their appointees all right, are supposed to be looking out for New York. And what do they do? They said they're going to give a discount to New Jersey drivers coming over the Holland uh, and Lincoln Tunnel. What about the Staten Island people who have to go over the Verrazano Bridge and have to uh, have to take that, pay that toll? How about to for me? I got to go from 65th Street to below 61st Street. I got to pay another fifteen dollars. Oh, that's Her a lot of money for you, John. Her <laughs> passenger, John. <laughs> We don't feel bad for you there, John. So. Yeah, well, I know. I was Governor, say. I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. We can split the fifteen dollars. You got it. And actually, I think it's per passenger. You are a so we're going to split man. the thirty dollars. <laughs> but look, it's really unfair. We're going to continue to fight it. Um, it's stupid. Look, it's, it's putting another nail in the coffin of New York. Yeah, and drivers can't afford it. Right. It's now. really, really stupid because they're taking it from the MTA that has a zillion dollars, and right now, New York City. Manhattan especially is suffering. To this cover is, the fair beaters. This is a, listen, this is yeah. a, nothing but cover, a revenue. Cover the fair beaters. Can, yeah, this is a right. revenue grab by the MTA. Yes. Let's be clear. And a war on cars. And the war on war cars. On, and just enforce it, it against the fair beaters and get some money that way. Give me a break. Yep. And Thank make you, the subway Nicole. safe. Yeah. Make the subway safe. More people will ride it. You'll get more revenue. I, yeah. By the way, I just got off the subway. I said like 10 prayers, but anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole Mayotakis. We'll catch up with you again real soon. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Let's take that break. And when we come back, we're coming back with who? Steve Moore, who's going to talk about, about EVs. the economy and, and, and what's going on. I mean, uh, interest rates are going down. It's a secret. Let's take that break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And uh, just in here, Senator Rand Paul used the Heimlich maneuver successfully on a choking fellow Senator Joni Ernst at a GOP lunch. It happened today. Uh, and everybody is saying they were right there. Apparently, Ernst appeared to be making some jokes about the experience on social media, saying, quote, I can't help but choke on the woke policies Democrats, she says, are forcing down our throats. But thank you, Rand Paul. Uh, so at least uh, Rand Paul and his medical also, experience also, came in handy. Sir Winston Churchill's birthday today. Yeah, we need a Winston Churchill now, John. We need, we we need, need one now. Yep. And yep. uh, we have with us now uh, Steve Moore, the great economist, of course, host of More Money, as we always see the great show on Saturdays on WABC Radio. Uh, Steve, thank goodness for uh, Rand Paul and his training, right? 
Oh, my gosh. You just mentioned my two favorite people, you know, Winston Churchill, who is one of the greatest people ever walked on the planet, save Britain, right? And then uh, I love Rand Paul. I mean, I love the guy, and he's, uh, I think everyone knows he's a doctor. And he may have, I don't know the particulars, but he may have saved uh, Senator Joni Ann's life, life by, you know, giving her the Heimlich maneuver. So great, great, great. And uh, by the way, John, I this this stock market is a rocket ship right now. Well, don't you know? <laughs> interest rates are going to go down two or three points in 24, 2024. Uh Oil is going to go way down, and you're going to have uh, uh, $3 a gallon uh, wow. gas again. And the stock market is going to go up at least 10%. And right. President Biden it. is going to stand up and say, see, Bidenomics works. Wow, what an inter- it's interesting. It's an election year. Isn't that interesting? It must yeah. be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Must that be a coincidence. interesting. Yeah. So, so why is OPEC no, Plus I, cutting? Yeah. Why is OPEC Plus cutting? Uh, production by They're not cutting it. They're not cutting it. That's why oil went down at the end of the market about $2 a barrel. Ah. Well, you know, look, John. First of all, if OPEC said to you they're cutting oil, you believe them? I'll send you to Brooklyn Bridge then. (laughs) I believe them. I don't believe Russia as the plus part of OPEC. (laughs) Well, look, my view is, first of all, I I pray that you're right. I want America to do great. I want Americans to make money. I want them to have jobs and higher incomes. I'm nervous. I'm a little bit more nervous, Rita, than uh, John is about the economy in 2024. I'm worried about, you know, the mortgage rates, which are high. I'm worried about the fact that people have a lot of debt out there. You know, the credit card debt is $1.04 trillion right now. Mm. We got a, you know, $33 trillion national debt. By the way, Rita, you're not going to believe this. When I first came to Washington, I'm older than you think. I, came, I arrived in 1984 when Reagan was president. The entire national debt, are you ready for this? The entire national debt was $1 trillion. And we thought, oh, my God, a trillion dollars of debt. I can't believe it. Now and, we have $33.5 trillion. And Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton took it down from $5.5 trillion down to $5 trillion. That was amazing. You know, it was. it's amazing what happens when the Democrats and Republicans get together. It doesn't happen very often. And what they did was they cut spending. They cut the capital gains tax. They grew the economy. So we have more revenues, not by raising taxes, but by growing the economy and getting expenditures under control. Boy, I would love to see them do that now, John. Steve Moore, what's going on? 3,900 car dealers. Uh, yeah. wrote a letter to the White House saying, yeah. we're, we're, we're mad as hell and we can't take it anymore. Where's that clip? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where's that clip? We, love we that haven't clip. used it in a while. Yeah, we got to use that. But, but hey, look, 3,900, it's just not, they're saying it's not advantageous. Yeah. And we had a little item in our hotline, which I know you guys all receive, and then people can get that for free by going to committee.leashprosperity.com and just sign up. But, yeah, that's, it's, it's an amazing story. Because what's happening, if you go to car dealerships, I gave a talk a couple weeks ago to the Auto Dealers Association, and every one of them said, you know, our our, uh, showrooms and our lots are filled with electric vehicles, and people aren't buying them. And so, you know, people say, well, where's the gas cars? Oh, we don't have those. The the factory isn't sending us to them. And so now they're having to lower the price for the EVs, which I guess is a good thing for the consumers, but they're already losing 
like $5,000 per car. Now they have to lower the price, John. Now you're a businessman. How do you make money doing that? You don't. And by the way, we do have it right here. Here it is. Here it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That was a car dealer from Long Island. Yes. <laughs> it could have been a car dealer from anywhere in America, John, I think these days. Well, you know, I made this analogy, you know, uh, that if, if you have a, if you have a dog and you ever have a dog and you want to give him a pill and the dog doesn't want to take the pill and you, if that dog has his jaws, you know, tightened, you're not going to get that dog's mouth open, right? There's no way that mouth is not going to open if that, and that's the way car, you know, buyers are. If they say they don't want the car, they're not going to open it. They're, you're not going to shove it down their throat. They're not going to buy it. And maybe they should start listening to the customers, John. And the customers are saying, hey, you know, some customers want EVs, but 90% of the cars are EVs and only 10% of the car buyers want an EV. That well, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And by the way, Steve Moore, uh, you saw recently uh, Connecticut reversed itself and said, you know, they're not going to have these mandates. Yeah. Uh, it's just unrealistic. But then but New, Jersey, New Jersey, exactly. New Jersey <laughs> doubled down. Murphy doubled down yeah. and said by 2035, all new cars. I mean, that's crazy. It, it really is. And, and you know, that 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 means, you know, if you've got a gas car, you might want to hold on to it because it's going to be very valuable. <laughs> it's going to be a relic, a collector's item. Yeah, it will be. But come on. I, remember when the Democrats used to say, we believe in freedom to choose. OK, don't you think that should be freedom to choose what kind of car you want to buy? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, Steve, one thing, though, that I think is is important for uh, Republicans to point out, and as as you and John and Ed were just talking about uh, the difference, obviously, um, not only the deficit, but mortgage rates, um, because Biden is going out there. He's clearly realizing, well, uh, he's pushing the green energy stuff because he knows he's losing some of his base with his position on Israel, yeah. albeit weak as heck, I think. But still, uh-huh. um, but he's going out there pushing green energy and he's pushing Bidenomics. They really need to do like, okay, here's what, yeah, maybe it's coming down to John's point. Surprise, surprise during an election year, right? But they need to say, here's what it was when President Biden took office. Yeah, it came down from its all time high because it was skyrocketing under him. Here's what he started with. And here's where it is now. It's still going to be higher. And that's going to be mortgage rates, probably gasoline prices, all these things. Yeah. So yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, what's the again? I always blank out on it. What's the name of our new press secretary? Uh, Corinne Jean Pierre. Corinne, yes. She said, "Oh well, we inherited this crisis from Trump, and everything was going wrong." It's the Trump's world. fault for sure. <laughs> yeah, everything is. No doubt yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. The fact <laughs> I was stuck in traffic was Trump's crisis. fault, right? It, it, it isn't true. I mean, with the last six months, Trump was in the White House. The economy was actually booming, recovering at a really fast pace. In fact, in the first three months of the of uh, 2021, the economy boomed, and then by all these spending programs. By the way, here's another amazing statistic, and I didn't believe it to be true because somebody told me, and then I had to look up the data. Did you know more people have died uh, from COVID, from COVID under Biden than under Trump? Yeah, I remember hearing that. And you know That's what? Amazing. That and and by the way, they never the Biden White House is always like, look how many jobs we saved. Well, the whole world was in paralysis under under COVID. Well, you know, they leave out COVID. Yeah, eighty percent of those jobs. These oh, look at all the jobs I've created. Were jobs that Trump created that came back when they reopened the economy. Right. And whenever anybody who was there when the economy reopened would have benefited. You know, it's not Biden's brilliant plan. Well, again, yeah, I, I tell, tell you, on, on the car front, you're right. 
let the people, let the citizens, the let the people decide. The Toyota chairman, the Toyota chairman says, yeah. let them pick. I'm going to make gas cars. I'm going to make uh, diesel cars. I'm going to make uh, yeah. uh, hybrid. hybrid cars. And hybrid. I'm going to make yep. a, uh, what, electric cars. Let the consumer decide what they want. Don't force it down their throat. Wait, it, you sound remember, mad as you, you sound were, mad as hell again. I think we need I to play was that. Mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That was another <laughs> dealer from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, John, do you remember what uh, Henry? I mean, I know you were around back then when Henry Ford was first uh, selling the Model T's. Remember when he was said he said you can have the Model T in any color you want as, as long, long as, as it's black. black. <laughs> <laughs> how, how 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 would you like? Uh, how, how did the Edsel do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what we got. The Edsel, uh, you know, was they made five hundred thousand. I think those electric vehicles are Edsels. Thank you, Steve Moore. Steve Moore, thank (laughs) you. I'll be catching you on Saturday at two o'clock. Well, one o'clock to two o'clock, right after. What? Right after. More money. Yeah, make sure more more Make sure there's more more than the advertising. Let's go. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. With us today is John Solomon from justthenews.com. And, uh, John, what is the hot news today? What the heck is going on in our city, our state, our country? Uh, a lot of discussion about political ethics. In both parties, in fact. George Santos right now is trying to fend off a vote to expel him from Congress and his uh, ethics woes are sitting in the plain view in Congress on live television right now. Meanwhile, a bombshell piece of evidence was released late last night by House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. What does it reveal? It reveals that a bank money laundering investigator, a professional, someone who was trained to look for suspicious transactions, flagged a $5 million loan in 2017 that the Biden family got from China, from a Chinese energy company. They called the transaction high risk. They said it looked possibly like it was money laundering. They said there was no documentation for the loan. And they said it looked like a possible effort by the communist Chinese government to gain influence through Hunter Biden uh, uh, and Joe Biden. So money being used to buy influence. That warning came in 2018, less than a year after the loan was made. And all through the 2019-2020 campaign, remember what Joe Biden told us. My family didn't get any China money. Any questions about this is a conspiracy theory. It turns out that when he made those statements, one, they were false. He was, his family got substantial money from China. But the banks, the banks that were servicing Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, James Biden, they already had grave, grievous concerns about what this money from China was about. Understood. Wow, that's, uh, you know... (laughs) You know what I can't understand, uh, John Solomon? It, 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 it was easy for the FBI to know what's going on. Yeah, that's right. Well, listen, this was sitting in plain view. The IRS knew that there was a tax evasion going on, right? They start looking at it in 2017. If you go back at some of the stories that Justin News and I broke uh, over the last three months. And this this they, is while this is while uh, 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 Joe Biden was not even elected yet. That's right. Listen, the first flags, the first red flags that banks started to file was in 2015. At that point, Joe Biden was serving as the vice president and banks were flagging his family's financial transactions. There were all these suspicious activity reports. By 2016, 
the bank officials, at, uh, I think it was Morgan Stanley, were so concerned about the pattern, they filed a whistleblower complaint with the Securities and Exchange Commission. 2017, the China money comes in. 2018, more whistleblower complaints come in, as well as this new bank memo. So for five years, whether he was vice president, a private citizen, later the president, banks kept looking at the money flowing through the Biden family's account saying, this is suspicious. This isn't right. This, there's something wrong with this money, this new document, perhaps the most explosive one. Let me remind people, it was proceeds from this $5 million loan that ultimately ended up in Joe Biden's account. How was that? Money went from Hunter Biden to James Biden. James Biden wrote a $40,000 check for the money he got from Hunter Biden from the China money. He wrote that to Joe Biden in September of 2017. So they were flagging a transaction that ultimately ended up in the pocket of the president himself. That uh, is mind boggling. Uh, anything else going on? Listen, I think the American people just want the truth. You know, that's I right. mean, that, that's what it they comes do. down to. I mean, do. we heard new revelations about the Kennedy assassination last yes. week on the 60th anniversary. We, we, there's so many things going on in our country that I think um, the American people have reached a level where they just want to know the truth. I, I couldn't agree more. And here's one. Here's the truth they're not getting from a lot of places. But there are there is huge evidence emerging in law enforcement that China is running a massive operation to get Americans hooked on illegal drugs. Uh, there have been all these illegal pot dispensaries run by Chinese nationals on U.S. soil, like 100 of them in Maine alone. You know, 100 different Chinese run operations in Maine alone. Homeland Security uh, Department is warning law enforcement nationwide that this is a very serious, pressing concern. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to talk to the former chief of special operations for the DEA, Derek Maltz, and he said, listen, I'm not, I have no doubt that the Chinese government has begun an operation to get into America and sell marijuana and other drugs, gateway drugs, to get into the brains of Americans, to get them addicted, to destabilize this uh, country. He called it brilliant but unrestricted warfare. That's the DA's former top operations guy warning the country that right below our noses is a operation by China to use drugs, illegal drugs, to destabilize our great country. Mind-boggling. Uh, one more thing before we go? You bet. Oh, there's plenty more to go. Uh, a lot of subpoenas flying around today. Jim Jordan subpoenaed two Biden White House officials in the uh, investigation into how the government censored Americans' opinions unlawfully. That was uh, subpoenas went out on the Republican side. On the Democrat side, the Senate Judiciary Committee subpoenaed two prominent uh, conservative donors for their contacts with Supreme Court justices like Clarence Thomas. And so both sides digging into oversight subpoenas, which compel testimony and documents now flowing out. This is uh, there's been about 20 subpoenas in the last two weeks. Congress has been very busy in the process of getting new evidence. Well, does anybody ever go to jail? That's the problem. That's uh, the problem. No one John, ever does. No. Nobody goes to jail. I mean, <laughs> John Solomon, thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks, John. Great to be on your show. Breaking news, WABC. And it gets worse uh, with our foreign policy, courtesy of the Biden administration. Antony Blinken, of course, our Secretary of State over there in Israel. Here's the headline, warns Israel, don't restart war without a civilian protection plan. Telling Israel today, as he's over there, 
at Israel right there in Tel Aviv, uh, saying they must not resume operations against Hamas until they lay out a plan in place to protect civilians. John, you can't make it up. Otherwise, I'll take my aircraft carrier away. Yeah, it yeah. sounds familiar. How, how sad is that, John? This is, and publicly saying Listen, it, publicly you're, you're scolding. Dealing, I, no, I understand their concern for the Palestinian people. And, but I, I think these really soldiers are smart enough to, not to go out and kill Palestinian civilians. Yeah, and they're not obviously trying to, but to publicly say, listen, we need a couple conditions here first before you go. Can where you imagine if somebody said that to us after 9-11? I want to know Look. where the conditions are on Hamas. Yeah, where's the scolding? Up, giving up the hostages, not having their own people used as shields, as human shields. Where are the conditions on them? This is absolutely and, and, outrageous. And by the way, this is an invitation for the Hamas to use civilians as shields going forward. Yeah, and they're already doing it, as we have seen. Look what they're doing with sure. this drip, drip, drip. Sure. He also said in the same press conference, uh, I'd like to continue this ceasefire. Obviously, it's fruitful. Let's keep going. Sounds to me like he wants to continue it indefinitely, Ed Cox. And what about, and what about Ben Rhodes, the Obama stooge, who goes out and says that we're guilty the United States is guilty of aiding and abetting war crimes. Can you imagine that? That's unbelievable. Okay, let's move on. Okay, now we have Elizabeth Priot from Pennsylvania. And this weekend, and she is secretary of the Pennsylvania Republican Party. And uh, she is uh, now in charge. She's president of the Pennsylvania Society. And all the Pennsylvanians for the last 150 years come to New York the first weekend in December. Tell us about it, Elizabeth. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm just thrilled to do it. Listen, the Pennsylvania Society was formed 125 years ago by a gentleman who lived in New York. His name was Bar Foray, and he missed his home state of Pennsylvania. He was a very successful business guy, and he got about 55 of his friends together who had also been from Pennsylvania, um, living in Manhattan, to join him for dinner at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. And that was day one of what this society has grown to several thousand members. Um, and we come now for 125 years to New York on this weekend in December every year um, to celebrate each other, to break bread with each other. And, and how many people were coming to New York at its height? I, I heard it was like, like 25,000, 50,000. What was it? You know, I don't know what it's type, but it was def- it was probably around twenty five thousand. It's still thousands. The dinner is about a thousand actual at our dinner, but the weekend encompasses, you know, maybe thirty different events from you know some political, some business, some universities, health, and you know all all sorts of different areas. Understood. And uh, you're you're president of that. You're you're, you're in charge of it this year. You know, I am, and I, 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 last year I was the first female president in 124 years. Bravo. Um, yes, and it's, it's really been wonderful. We have, um, this is actually the longest-serving member organization of its kind anywhere. And, you know, we've really been expanding our focus. We're trying to get younger members. But ultimately, what we do best is what you, what you do, John, and what we respect you so much for is really civility. Right. It's an awfully short supply right now, but the society demands it and expects it. And we're going to have um, a fun, festive time um, with this community of members from Pennsylvania Society, breaking bread with our competitors, whether it's in business or in politics. 
and and having a respectable. And this is both Democrats and Republicans. Yes, it is. Yes, and and you have a big there. dinner this year. You, you you have an honoree this year. We do. We have the Newbauers. Um, uh, Joe Newbauer was he ran Aramark, which I'm sure you've heard of, a big company um, that he ran it for many years. And he and his wife are extremely philanthropic um, in lots of different areas all across Pennsylvania and the country. Uh, so we are honoring them as wonderful Pennsylvanians with our gold medal. We're also doing a special um, award this year for three of our past presidents. Tom Hagen is founder of Erie Insurance. Roger Richards, a prolific attorney in Pennsylvania. And Andy Sordoni, who I think you know, um, uh, 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 owns a huge construction company. All of these people were great presidents of society, um, stood for civility and respectful dialogue. That's who they are. That's how they ran the society. Um, and we are honoring them for all their, their commitment. Elizabeth Priya, thank you for coming to New York. Spend a lot of money. New York is is not doing well. We need Pennsylvania's money. Yeah, triple, well, double, we, quadruple. Spend twice <laughs> as much. You know, I'll tell you, you know what? It would be, in the, that's one of the reasons why the, we don't have as many people in New York as we used to. It's just, it, it, you're right. It's not doing as well, John. I mean, I wish you were the mayor because you would fix this place right up. It's it's really just it's suffering. And um, so we do get people saying, eh, I just don't feel comfortable. But that being said, there's true blues like me. And there's there's several thousand of us, too, that that are all getting ready together. And um, we're actually starting tonight. First uh, event tonight. That's wonderful. Elizabeth, uh, thank you for coming to New York. And uh, I'm sure I'll catch up with you in the next couple of days. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, thank John. you. And uh, that was Elizabeth Priot, sister Good, um, sister of Alexandra Priot, uh, who's a powerhouse, uh, but a powerhouse, and uh, and the twin sisters. I know. I just found that out. And, and by the way, I'm thrilled to see people coming to New York. And I love. By the way, I remember in years past, John, uh, Ed Rendell, and so many different folks coming in. Well, we used to it's do. Great. Uh, we used to do one party on a Thursday night and one party on a Friday night. At my home, one one night for Democrats, one night for the Republicans. Yeah, it, it was always great, great. And we love having them here. Okay, let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Michael Goodwin, and he's got some interesting things to say. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby, and in a stunning announcement that just came out, uh, top Obama aide, this is Ben Rhodes, uh, goes after the Biden administration's support of Israel's war in Gaza, calling it a violation of international laws. And it comes after what happened uh, with Blinken, uh, saying that Israel better have a plan before they continue fighting in Gaza, killing the terrorists. Well, joining us to talk about all of this is Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist there at the New York Post. Michael, you can't make it up. I mean, this is Israel. This is really disheartening today to see the rhetoric coming from the uh, Obama, I should say the Obama administration and the Biden administration. Hey, are, are you there, Michael? I am. I am. Hey, I Michael. can hear you. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Can you, uh, this is really disconcerting, the rhetoric that we're hearing. I don't know if you heard Secretary of State Blinken today uh, on the apology tour scolding right. Israel and basically uh, not going after Hamas, doesn't mention Iran. And now we're seeing that Ben Rhodes, who, of course, was a top Obama aide, uh, questioning, saying that the rhetoric seems to be uh, hitting the administration of, of Biden saying it's uh, it's support of Israel is a violation of international law. 
I mean, this is an incredible moment, Michael Goodwin. It certainly is. Um, look, I, I have uh, worried all along that domestic politics would undercut uh, the president's support for Israel. And I think we're seeing an increasing rapid pace of that happening. Um, I wrote uh, in yesterday's New York Post about the uh, the apology to the Muslim Americans over his uh, saying that Hamas uh, death, uh, death claims were, were not reliable, were not trustworthy, that he said, I'm not going to believe Hamas statistics on deaths. Um, and, and then privately, he apologized to Muslim Americans who complained. And look, I think this is very much about the, the battleground states, the youth vote, and the Muslim American vote. I think that's what is driving this. Uh, I think it's it's terrible. I think it's I think it's bad politics, but I think it's even worse for American security. I mean, let's not forget Hamas is a terrorist organization according to the United States. We have put that label on it, not the UN, the United States. So how can the president go around apologizing for saying he doesn't trust their numbers when their falsification of death claims is very much a part of their strategy? That's how they get international support. That's how they get people like the Biden administration saying, Israel, you have to stop. You have to stop. Why does Israel have to stop? Because the Palestinians won't let I mean, uh, Hamas won't let the Palestinians leave. It, it builds its tunnels and, and uh, headquarters under hospitals and schools and mosques. That's where it stores its ammunition. So having the civilians in the line of fire is a Palestinian strategy. It's not an inconvenience for them. It is how they go to war. They hide like cowards behind children. Uh, and yet, Biden, I think, to fall, to fall into this is really just giving up any sense of moral clarity about this war. If this becomes about, you know, whether I can, whether he can retain the Muslim American vote in Michigan and Minnesota and whether he will get the youth vote out to turn out for him because they are, they are down in the dumps on him. They do not want him to run. And yet the youth vote is a core Democratic constituency. So I think the campaign has gotten to him. I think people have said, you know, you want to elect Donald Trump, then just keep supporting Israel. I think it's practically as simple as that. Michael, it's Richard Weimer. Let me ask you this question. Given his rhetoric coming out of Blinken, given what Ben Rhodes has said, who's an apologist for the Obama administration, their Iranian policy, what is Israel supposed to do now? Well, it, it seems like what, they're, what the administration working with the, the peaceniks and everybody else is stop the war, we'll, we'll get the hostages out, or most of them, and we'll work uh, to get some kind of governing authority in, in Gaza. But Israel knows that's not going to work. I mean, Hamas is never going to give up all the hostages, first of all. And, and secondly, there's no plan on the table that I'm aware of from anybody outside of Israel that the goal is to force Hamas to surrender, to surrender. Uh, 
that's what Israel wants. We're going to kill you or you're going to surrender. That's that. Those are your two options. And Hamas keeps saying they're going to do it over and over and over again. What is Israel supposed to do? This is a this is a death cult. Hamas is a death cult. And the the Palestinian people are unfortunately in the way, although uh, along with many others, I would say that not all of them are innocent. I, I heard today someone say a better phrase for innocent Palestinians is to say non-combatants. And I think that's right, because when you see them hounding those children who are being released, the children hostages, when you see them be- beating up on the corpses of Israeli soldiers and uh, dead Israeli women taken hostage, I don't think we can call them innocent anymore, certainly many of them. You know, what does this spell, though, um, for the fate of Israel? To the judge's point, I thought today, boy, uh, this is not good, not only for Israel, because I was watching the, the Blinken press conference. My jaw dropped. I was so I was I was embarrassed, Michael. It was it was painful. And but I also wonder uh, what does it mean also not just for Israel's fight against terrorism, but for America's fight you know, against terrorism? Well, it's, uh, that, that's a key point, uh, that Israel, as Benjamin Netanyahu has said repeatedly, w- 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 you're, you're next. After us, they come for you. They come for Europe. And if, if, does Biden not understand that? Does Blinken not believe that? Do they really think they can, they can cuddle up to Iran and give Iran all kinds of benefits with deals and things like that, and Iran doesn't want to still kill us and blow us up and blow up Israel? I mean, you, you, yep. cannot, you cannot compromise with these people. That, that's appeasement. This yeah, administration right. has not done anything right. What did they say about the Biden administration? Oh, Robert Gates. Gates. Secretary Gates. What Everything he's done, he's been wrong on foreign policy. President yeah, Biden. Was, and he said that 10 years ago, so we're now 50 years. Well, he, he was a fortune teller. He was thank right you, on. Thank you, Michael Goodwin. Thank you for thank everything you, you do. Thank you, Michael. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.